Hello, and welcome to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast. Also, rate, review, and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things. We want to hear your thoughts on the movies and shows we review. Leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or our YouTube channel, and we will read them during the show. Or reach out to us on social media. We love talking all things entertainment and pop culture with you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Well, hello, hello, Delora. Final recap of the official Black History Month, but we know what it is. (laughs) Yep, I'm looking forward to it. Same, same. We are going out on a musical note because we are going to recap the 2023 musical adaptation of The Color Purple. This film was released on Christmas Day 2023 and it is now available to stream exclusively on Max. Quick summary. A woman faces many hardships in her life, but ultimately finds extraordinary strength and hope in the unbreakable bonds of sisterhood. This, as we know, is an adaptation of an adaptation of an adaptation. (laughs) Exactly. I was telling Dave, I was like, I'm like, you know, this is from the music, uh, uh, a Tony Award winning musical that's yes. based off of the Oscar nominated film. That's, that's off based of- on <laughs> the Alice Walker <laughs> book novel that has weathered the years. The phenomenon. Um, Alice Walker participated in this project, which I always love to see. It was directed by Blitz Bazawule. He called it a reimagining, not a remake. And the producers, of course, Oprah, Steven Spielberg, Quincy Jones, all served. Cast, Fantasia Barino reprising her role from the Broadway musical as Seeley. Taraji P. Henson as Suge Avery. Danielle Brooks reprising her role as Sophia. Exactly. Coleman Domingo (laughs) as Mr. Corey Hawkins as Harpo, Felicia Pearl and Posse as Young Seely, Halle Bailey as Young Nettie, Sierra as Nettie, and her as Squeak. Reviews. Rotten Tomatoes, 82% critic score, 95% audience score, and 83% of Google users gave this film a thumbs up. Delora, what is your grade of the color purple 2023 musical well this was a bit difficult to grade for me and i'll tell you why i adore the film it was whoopi goldsberg's film debut um obviously iconic everything from oprah to steven spielberg to you and me will never part you know (laughs) And I I had never heard the sounds from the musical because I hadn't had the opportunity to see it on stage. So I was coming in with extremely fresh eyes. The only thing that I knew from the buzz of The Color Purple from its debut to its revival with uh, Cynthia Revo was the I Am Here song. And even then, I didn't know 
the beauty of this song until watching this film. This film had so many cameos. I love to see it. Um, I appreciated the visuals, like the one scene with Suge Avery showing up to the juke joint. Her in that red at night was just visually stunning. But I, I'm not gonna lie. It's it's not a home run for me. It's it's I I'm giving it a, a B plus maybe an A minus, but I'm I'm leaning towards the B plus because I adore the first one so much, and for this to be its counter musical counterpart, I think it did an amazing job, but it just it wasn't it wasn't at the same level, but it's like, how can you match up to something so phenomenal and that has been able to age so well? I don't know that, that those are my (laughs) stream of consciousness (laughs) (laughs) to the color purple musical. What about you, Ashley? So it is an A for me. I wanted to see this movie in theaters on Christmas Day and it was sold out around me. So I kind of put it on the back burner. It's like, okay, I'm gonna get to it. I'm gonna get to it. I'm gonna get to it. And I was pleasantly surprised that it was finally available to stream so that I could check it out. I think, yes, I definitely understand that the first one, uh, the first adaptation rather of Steven Spielberg's version with Whoopi and Oprah and Danny Glover was so impactful, was so well done, but it was also hella traumatic. I think that was one of the first visual images and depictions of domestic violence and abuse of a lot of things that really hurt to see. Um, And so I wasn't sure how the musical was going to emotionally impact me. And Mm. I'm glad that there was more levity to this because it is a musical (laughs) adaptation. And so Mm -hmm. it makes it just a little bit more joyous and palatable for me to make it through the totality of Seeley's story because this is Seeley's journey. This is Seeley's perspective that you get even more strongly in the books because you're hearing it from letters that she's writing to God, right? So mm-hmm. I think I was able to um, follow it more closely because it just didn't hurt quite as bad, if that makes sense. And so I was so pleasantly surprised by, not even surprised, I was so pleasantly happy and satisfied with the performances from everybody, but particularly Taraji blew me away with being able to go toe to toe vocally and musically with With Fantasia. (laughs) Fantasia. (laughs) That is no small feat. At all. I had no idea that Taraji had the range, frankly. Me either. So I just thought it was really well done. I really enjoyed the majority of these musical performances that we had throughout the film. Visually, I thought it was very lush. I felt like I was in the the farmlands of Georgia. Yes. Uh, You know, I just, I really enjoyed the totality of the experience. Mm -hmm. Still had some hard things to watch. But I think for anybody who may have felt the way I felt about the Steven Spielberg adaptation, this one should be an easier emotional journey. But we'll see. I wouldn't say that because I was very uncomfortable. I just was so pissed and hurt by just the nonsensical 
abuse, but we will get into it, of We're, course. But we are about to get into it for sure. Uh, it still ain't a walk in the park. That's pretty much what it will never be a walk in the park. <laughs> never. But the lingering on certain things, which I'll talk about at the very, very end, because I did not rewatch the original to compare and contrast. But of course, I found articles which do. So we can talk a little bit about that. But I definitely know that they the intention, I think, was to be have a little bit more levity. And I appreciated that. So. Spoiler alert, Delora, let's get into it. I was debating how to go about this recap because I'm like, people know the story overall. So how really to kind of break this down? And I decided to break it down into three parts. We're going to talk about childhood. We're going to talk about Seeley's marriage. And then we're going to talk about Seeley's freedom. Okay, mm -hmm. so let's start first with Seeley's childhood and kind of set the stage. So she's growing up with an unbreakable bond with her sister, Nettie, which thankfully brought much needed sunshine into her life. Her mother has passed away and she was being abused by her father, at least who she thought was her father. Yep. And had been forced to have two children by him that he took away from her as newborn babies. Did you worry that he had murdered these children? Absolutely. I'm not going to lie. I didn't remember this from the movie. Um, I was like, who is getting her pregnant? And and I was like, him? Was this in the first movie? Again, I did not rewatch, but I'm assuming it was in the movie or if it wasn't the original movie, it was at least in the book. You know, I don't think they made, I don't think this just came no, up out of the book. No, mm -hmm. no. But it obviously, again, heavy disgusting um subject matter in terms of just the level of abuse that she went through on par um, with precious which is Ashley, a more recent Ashley Emory I I when I was watching this for the recap I was like I feel like I pooped on precious entirely too much because I'm like this is on par at least Celie got it happy ending I don't actually I know for sure that she got impregnated in the original uh adaptation in 1995 because in yeah, one of the articles yep in one of the articles no but I'm saying was it her father the one oh, that was fathering these children I'm sure That's it still what was. I didn't know. got you I'm sure it still I was I don't remember that being explicit in my understanding of her carrying these children but mm. But yeah, gross and icky and just it's so heartbreaking. Like, I don't know, the Seely story is so heartbreaking <laughs> to me in, in the sense of it's like, can, can you imagine a girl who is constantly told that she's ugly and she's worthless and she has everything that she's ever loved taken away from her? Like, how do you move through life as such a low space you know what I mean and the thing about the color purple you know the remnants of slavery is very thick right <laughs> in the air and so it's like and it's the south so and it's the south so that, the that oppression is felt and ultimately 
you know, that was applied to some of our ancestors, potentially, you know what I mean? And that's, I think that's the part that makes your story very heartbreaking um, to think of it, just the plight of enslaved women, how their bodies were just used for work and producing more enslaved people is just, and it's under the guise of quote unquote freedom, but at being a woman in the society, a black woman, there's always that conversation of being the last in line, right? <laughs> Where it's like, the most unprotected, as yes. Malcolm X once said. Even within her familial um, environment. That's the part that breaks my heart the most. For sure. Like I said, thank God she had her sister. Yep. Um, the one truly bright spot that she was able to find who loved her and, you know, treated her with nothing but that. And even with her father's abuse, you know, he found another way to harm her by sending her off, selling her off to a man she never met, whom he just called Mr. for a cow and a couple of eggs. And he actually had come originally wanting Nettie, but he said, nah, Nettie got, she's intelligent. She's going to be a teacher. You go ahead and take, take the other one. She's good for work. And she'll work as hard as a man, essentially. This exchange of her as basically goods, again, continues the heartbreak that you feel for her character, who is still just a child. Yep. So going to Mr.'s house, she is forced to care for him, the house, and his three terrible children. I found some book club questions that I'm going to interweave in this. <laughs> And so one of them was, where does Celie find the strength to overcome such adversity? Girl, I mean, it's it's resiliency, right? Of the human spirit, <laughs> right? The fact that she was able to hold on to the love of her sister and to know that she has loved in terms of her children and had been loved by her mother I, I believe is something that, you know, is it speaks to how strong her spirit truly is. You know what I mean? Because ultimately her situation would have broken a lot of people. Absolutely broken, either broken or you would have been committing murder. You know what I'm saying? You would have. Or having some serious vice, like the fact that she didn't pick up you know, the bottle or drugs or, you know what I mean? Some other vices. Absolutely. I think too, there's a, there's a, a large religious, um, spiritual aspect of this film that yes. is brushed on and probably is brushed on even more in the book in terms of her having conversations with God. And I think that to talk about black history and our methods of survival and things over the years, our relationship with God and with the spiritual has definitely lifted us up in moments of tragedy and adversity as well. And I think Celie appeared to hold on to that too, to, you know, not again, either lose her mind, go down a dark path or start killing mofos because both her daddy and Mr. could get it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, seriously, she could have easily poisoned both of them at this rate slit your throat, she... <laughs> slit your throat while you sleep um you know 
faith. Faith is so important and so essential um, to the human condition, <laughs> in my personal opinion, and people who, who uh, don't believe anything. I, I don't know how you do it. I'll just say that because, <laughs> you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for with the evidence of things not seen. She, she had this undying hope that one day, you know, she'll see her sister again or her children again. And, and to be able to still have the motivation to give it, get up every day and do the same thing over and over again for ungrateful people. That's a lot. Ungrateful, abusive, all the things. It's hard to complain when there are people who go through and have been through a lot more. So it was a humbling to say the least that you see someone who's gone through so much, but still remains so uplifted in their, in their spirit. Um, Nettie and Celie are forced apart. This is a big aspect of, of the story, no matter which adaptation we talk about. And you really see a large difference between Nettie and Celie's personalities, right? And that Nettie fought back. She wouldn't take the abuse from her father who tried to touch her after Celie left or from Mr. who again, yeah. always wanted her. And so when she came over to stay with them after the father tried her, he tried her too. And she said, uh-uh, like I'm kicked him, you know, ran out the house. He shot a shotgun and said, if you ever come back here, I'll kill you both. So what are your thoughts on what kept Celie from fighting back as well, especially after seeing the example of her sister? I hate to say it, but I feel like she was probably broken sooner. Like the Natty, she is the older sister. And unfortunately she was exposed to a lot of stuff way too soon. And I think her temperament allowed her to go with the flow versus fighting back and, and standing up for herself. Cause I mean, it's a, it's a conversation of self-esteem, right? And yes, I think it's a conversation of self-esteem, such a great point. And I also think it's a feeling of possible hopelessness on her part in terms of how to survive if she leaves the situation she's in, because we see yeah. a lot of female characters in this film and a lot of them are strong will characters, but they also have options. And that's something that eluded Celie because the men in her yeah. life devalued her so much. She yeah. didn't get the education that her sister got. So true. She didn't have the opportunity to do other things, to go to school, to when we meet Suge, have a career. When we meet um, uh, Sophia, to have a supportive, loving family who could financially provide for her if she chose an alternative. So, Or even have the embrace of someone celebrating her talent. Like we... We find out throughout the the movie that she has a knack for sewing, but that wasn't really, you know, developed and celebrated the way it could have been, in, in, you know, to allow her to know about, again, her options yes. and, and things and, to look forward to. And this is why I think we always say and we hear people say that it's so important for women to have their own so that you're yeah. not put in a situation where you are powerless to mm. remove yourself if you need to, where you have your own finances, you have your own stake in your life. It gives you power and authority that you don't have otherwise. So um, definitely think that played a part as well. Let's move on to marriage. So 
Sophia, Harpo's wife, who is one of Mr.'s children, we just talked about, she will not be treated as less than by her husband. He hit her once and she was out the door. We get the infamous, you told Harpo to beat me line. How do you think she did having to recreate a scene that made Oprah famous? I think Daniel Brooks did a phenomenal job in the role of Sophia. I think obviously there's remnants of you don't the rhythm, the cadence of how she said yeah. it. Yeah. But I still was able to see and appreciate Daniel's performance all on her own outside of Oprah. I think too, when we meet her and we see the relationship between her and Harpo. It's such a stark contrast between the relationship between Mr. Yes. and Seeley. Yes. And so it's just so interesting to see that playoff, especially as we've seen these three generations of men between Mr.'s dad and the Oof. way he is. Oof. And then Mr. and how Mr. looks to him for approval with his abuse. And then now you have Harpo who's has the reverse with his wife and is trying to figure out how to keep her under his thumb, right? And she's She's just not having it. So Sophia was a a delightful so like energy when she came into the film to me. I felt like she was a force of nature. Yes. Easy. Easy. Yes. And she will go down swinging, not caring if you're a man, woman, you know, whomever. <laughs> okay. You got the I've been fighting all my life. Yes. Had to fight my daddy, my brothers, my uncles, everybody. So Sophia was not one to be played with, picked on, any of the things. Then comes uh, the truest of true forces in the film, Miss Shook Avery. Okay, blues singer and the woman that Mr. Truly loves. What a total shift in his treatment and temperament when Shook Avery comes to town. You know... That saying, go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. I feel mm -hmm. like this is one of the prime examples. And, you know, we live in an age where everybody wants to have controversial dating advices. But at the end of the day, a man in love will do literally anything for you. <laughs> <laughs> we saw him attempting to cook. He had never in his in our understanding of him, lifted a finger for Seeley. Honestly, I thought it was also interesting because this is also a time where a wife was a thing. It wasn't necessarily Seeley, you are my wife. It's like, oh, I need a wife because somebody needs to cook, clean, raise my children, take care of my children, give them baths take them to school because I'm busy doing something else. Yeah, she was a slave. Easy. She was a slave in that house. She was not a, a partner the way that people view spouses today, some people anyway. And very well said too. It's also funny because again, when I was just talking about the differences between the three generations of men, he's now Harpo, right? He now has a woman who puts him in his place because he actually has feelings and care about her. So when he said that yeah. whole thing before to Harpo about she's too good looking, she can take advantage of you. You need to marry somebody you don't actually like. It's because he knows from experience, right? Because she let Suge walk all over him because that's what yep. he has feelings for. And he can't tame her. 
right? Suge's out here doing her thing. I think they called her a loose woman sure <laughs> in did. the film. They did. She, she's living her best life more like. I have to say, I, again, I don't know where my mind was when I was watching it. Um, and again, maybe I should have watched the original because I don't remember the stark differences of like, Suge being a former lover, lover to Mister, I guess I didn't process that in the Danny Glover um, film. I think I processed it, but it wasn't this like maybe in your face. Like she didn't come in that's, with this same level yeah. of energy, and yeah, you know, and you true. got the whole musical number leading up to her arrival. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it was just like it was a big, a bigger show of mm. who she was and like the power and influence that she had seeing it in this musical version. I couldn't help but wonder, though, if Suge had any feelings about staying at their home and sleeping with someone else's husband under Girl. their roof. Shameless. Okay. Yeah, not that seemly minded, but I'm just like, that's a but lot. it takes big kahunas to be doing that. I have arrived from out of town. Let me take your husband um, and then I'll be out. Just breezing in and out people's houses like that. <laughs> I mean, just down there dancing, frolicking, drinking with that man. I'm like, oh, okay. And again, it's like children were there. Is there no shame? <laughs> in other circumstances, she would be a villain, right? It's easy. She's celebrated in this film in the way that she is because of the talent, the charm, the allure, and also because she does care about Seely inevitably. She does form a strong bond with Seely inevitably. She helps to transform her. And that's definitely some of the redeeming value of Suge. Cause I was going to say in another circumstance, she is the villain. I was going to so. say one thing about Suge also, is she never claims to be a saint. She does not. That's for damn sure. Question from book club. Does Suge replace Nettie in Seely's life? Oh, that's a great question. I do not believe she replaces Nettie, but I do feel like I find it interesting that it's the women in Celie's life that has built her, that have been able to build her up, right? I don't think not one man was able to support her help her see her self-worth to even allow her to express herself freely because I feel like the thing that Suge Avery what differs between Suge Avery and and her sister Nettie is that Suge has lived a life she has seen things so she can teach her more than or just teach her differently than what her sister was able to show her. And I think that was important. And I think it also ignites a different fire when it's a romantic entanglement, using Jada's word, because <laughs> I think that familial bond is unmatched, right? Like that is, yeah. there's nobody who could step in and actually replace Nettie. But I think as far as the inspiration and the uh, understanding of, herself and her self-worth was important to have somebody else to be able to come in and help feel that but a love interest fulfills that even in a different way right because it's like not only am I beautiful but I'm 
felt, seen, touched, sexual. Yeah. I'm not yeah. I'm not being abused against my will because this is her first sexual partner that she is yes. choosing. I was going to say that was the word I was going to use as um, you were talking about the difference between the familiar love versus a romantic one. Familial, quote unquote, is unconditional, right? It's built in, whereas Celie is able to be someone's choice in, in the matter. And she has the power and is empowered to choose um and that you know her power has been taken by a lot of men in this movie absolutely did it provide any comfort to you as a viewer once we realized that mr had been keeping Celie's letters from nettie and she gets a chance to read some of them that nettie had been reunited with Celie's children and was caring for them in africa did that provide you comfort knowing that they had been able to take care of each other. Yes, 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 yes. And it's almost unbelievable, right? Uh, for something so good to happen to Celie after all the hardship that she's experienced. It definitely warmed my heart. I was like, I'm so glad that her children were not murdered, that he did not throw them in some body of water somewhere. I, I legit was like concerned. And Come that out. they were being well taken care of with a family member. You couldn't get any you know closer Nettie to see taking care of those babies. Exactly. Exactly. Sophia's fight with the mayor and his wife in subsequent imprisonment was still a very visceral and difficult thing to watch. When I talked about the levity of this, this movie adds, it could not take the bite out of this particular thing for me. Danielle Brooks' performance, particularly when she was sitting in that jail, was so yep. moving. Girl. So moving. I felt helpless, right? Because it's like, what do you do? Her, she's with a prize fighter and he right. can't protect her. Right. Oh, it just really pissed me off. <laughs> Frankly, it was it was gut-wrenching. Especially for her to have to go work for that family after she was released. Six years of her life just to still end up having to do that work. That was cruel isn't even big enough to describe. Mm -hmm. Special place in hell for them easily easily it's, it's interesting the physical change they made where in the original i remember oprah had like a droop from the yeah. crowbar hit and in this day yeah. brooks just had the red the reddening of her eye i thought that was an interesting change up physically but it still broke I think her spirit with her jaw too it was something about her her mouth or jaw situation I, I was gonna say i remember she had like the big welt when she was in jail but i didn't necessarily notice it later but maybe so i mean her spirit was so broken by Girl. the time we see her at the dinner scene, like again, yeah. there's been some some taking of some things. Cause I'm like, Tyler Perry took from this of a oh, pivotal yeah. dinner scene. I I'm telling you that even though he took from it, it's still one of my favorite moments in a Tyler Perry film. Oh, it was epic. It was epic. But I'm like, Lee epic. Daniels, precious. You you kind of yep. and now yep. this I'm like oh I see the parallels with with some of the filmmakers <laughs> as as we move through cinematic it's, history. It's, it's called inspiration, taking inspiration. Yes, 
<laughs> so in the dinner scene of this film, Suge and her new husband, Grady, offer to take Celie to Memphis. And she has had enough, I put in caps, of Mr. She lets him have it. She calls him horseshit, Delora. Tells him he yep. deserves to be in the ground. She puts sure a does. knife to that man's neck saying, yep. I ain't never asked for nothing from you. She was done. And it was just the breakthrough Sophia needed again after her spirit had been broken to really laugh again for the first time to come back home to herself physically mm. in that moment because she had been lost, honestly, yeah. wasn't speaking, was not herself. And you see all the women in this scene fine. And if they didn't already have it, take it back, their agency. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Every woman it. in this scene said, this is what I'm about to go do. <laughs> yep. And it was so powerful. Even Squeak, she said, I'm going to Memphis too. And she's like, that's not my name. When I wake up in the morning, if I can't think of nothing else but singing as a callback to the Whoopi Goldberg, I'm supposed to be a singer. So Squeak said, I got to get up out of here. That is her, people. That is her. <laughs> My one thing about this film is she did not get enough musical performances. But I'm like, Squeak is such a small role. I was surprised that her took it. But I mean, who else was going to take it, right? Like, And it's her acting debut. And it's it, at yeah. this caliber. So I totally get it. But I'm like, y'all could have gave my girl just one little walk and sing moment. Because yeah, she was about to go on tour with Coldplay after this. Like, come on. <laughs> come on. All right. Let's talk about Celie's freedom. Suge's kindness and her help have been amazing in Celie's life, right? Gave her roof over her head for years, provided this next chapter for her to be able to have, again, choice to get away from her, her marriage abuse and mister. But Celie rightfully inherits the property and store that her actual father left her. I hate everyone. I hate everyone. When she started crying, talking about she was actually loved by her real mama and dad, or pa <sighs> too much Ashley too much so is this an emotional part of the film for you uh slightly I think if anything I was more pissed off than anything you know I th actually felt relief uh when this scene came because I just felt like a weight had been lifted off of her and she was able to find a level of peace with the knowing that her actual family really did love her, that this person who had abused her was not her actual dad, right. that she's about to now have a level of freedom and independence that is all her own. I felt that joy, right? I felt that release of like, I just, what am I about to do with myself now? Like, I don't have yeah, to. Yeah, it's true. I, I'm not beholden to anybody. I can do anything anybody. I want to do. And I'm sure I ain't going to keep it the same way he left it. So, yes, let's do this. And to your point about her love of sewing and her creativity, she's able to put that into this shop and into this business and really make it what she wanted it to be. That's why the Mrs. Seeley's Pants is one of my favorite musical numbers yeah. from the film. Um, Really quick, speaking to Seeley's sewing talent, one of the parts that I got emotional on was at the dinner scene with the broken Sophia 
And the fact that she was wearing the sweater that Celie sewed for her that she gave her while she was in jail, that right there just broke me. I was like, uh, you know, because that whole situation is just, I know we talked about it already, but what that white woman did to her, it reminded me of, frankly, when it comes to white women allyship it's like you you're you're seeming nice you're you're complimenting me but then you're also forcing me to do something you know uh that you want me to do and if I don't do it your way you're gonna cry essentially (laughs) and I'm like I feel like there's remnants of that in our society today that really like grinds my gears you understand what I'm trying to say I definitely understand but and I also think that in that particular um, time and scene, she was the aggressor, even between her and her husband. Like she was the one who made it a thing and had the audacity to look shocked after her husband smacked the mess out of her that she would have the audacity to fight back. So she's absolutely the villain in that situation, whether she wanted to truly acknowledge that or not, you are responsible for what has happened to this black woman Full stop. It was your behavior towards her, your disrespect towards her. And that's what I'm saying. It's like she she came off as non-threatening, but underneath it all, the motivation was very awful. Yep. Sum it up simply. But anyway, I was like, I just love the connectivity of that, her wearing that green sweater and well, it was also in that scene too so important that she made the statement that, you know, I God, I know God exists because he's living in you. Like you, yes, your yes. presence, you coming to see me got me through. And I think that was such a valuable connection in yes. their relationship, as well as just, again, uplifting Seely and Seely's value and worth and the contribution she's made to the people around her. Because for the most the part, no one of it. Yeah, yes. no one valued her humanity in that way. Yep. And that was beautiful. So let's talk about Mr.'s redemption journey to do right by Celie and her family. Because when Celie left, she said, if you don't do right by me, everything you even think about is going to crumble. And we saw that his uh, he had that farm and everything he was planting was, you know, not working out due to bees, had to burn it. You know, he was just going through it, drunk off his butt as usual, just going through it. And so he decided to be helpful finally and help to get Nettie and the kids back from Africa. And I understood them going more in depth in terms of that redemption journey than they did previously, because I feel like Mm -hmm. we've been on this trajectory with a lot of projects where they want to give more humanity to previous villainous characters but it's a bridge too far for me personally with Mr. I was just curious about if you felt like his behavior in the film and the journey we see with the way Coleman Domingo played this character, that it, it actually warranted Celie's forgiveness after all those years of abuse. Fuck him. Couldn't have said it better myself. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. There's no way I'm forgetting any of this. Forgiving? Jesus would have to work on me. He would. He would have to... I'm only human. Thank you. Next. Maybe. Next. But I'm not having Sunday dinner with you 
it was radical. And that was one of the things that the director said is really the prominent theme of the film is radical forgiveness. This is absolutely radical forgiveness. This is the level of forgiveness of a saint. Call her uh, mother fucking Teresa in this case. Because I just think that there are some things that you may not continue to wish harm on somebody, but that does not mean that they have to be a part of your life. That part, that part, not everybody deserves your time. Not everybody deserves your presence. And I'm sorry, I shouldn't have used the F-bomb along with Mother Teresa. I apologize. (laughs) That's just how strongly... I feel about this in particular because he comes to the store. He's talking about kind of almost trying to act like they was about to get back together. I shouldn't even have to utter the words that we should just be friends. We shouldn't be nothing. I don't have to be your enemy. <laughs> now you going Jamaican. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing out some roots. I don't even know if I have, Delora. Actually, I am. I so believe in that forgiveness is for you right yes. and not the other for person your peace yes for your peace i think for Celie, when she left i don't think she was thinking about him and i think that was good for her right and because of that him <laughs> i cannot stress i cannot stress how he would not be part of my life. (laughs) He can buy all the ugly pants he wants. No, sir. And yes, bring my sister back because guess what? You were the reason why she was gone in the first place. This is just righting a wrong, but you are no longer part of my family. Enough said. Enough said. We do get the reunion between Celia and Nettie and the children. And I saw some people saying online before I watched it that it being Sierra took them out of the film. What was your experience? I think whoever cast this movie should be considered in the Oscar casting category in 2026. Like, I think Sierra was perfect when you were looking for a celebrity and an older Haley Bailey. I thought it was perfect. Now, Sierra singing with Fantasia, I was nervous. I was very <laughs> nervous. I love Sierra. She's my girl. I've been rooting for her. I love her and Russell and they babies. And I thought I thought her cameo in this was cute. I was gonna say, how did it? I didn't understand once I watched it. I was like, how did it take you out? This is a cast of superstar musicians and actors. When I saw John Baptiste, I'm like, yes, yes. sir. Yes. yes. Like the caliber of people who are in this film. Sierra is a singer as well. It makes sense. It's not like she just came out of the blue with this. So I didn't get it either. But speaking of the music, tell me what your favorite musical numbers are as we're wrapping up the recap of the film. The Sugar Avery, Push the Button. The Sister song was beautiful. I really enjoy Holly's performance as Nettie. I thought she did a remarkable job. Um showing that sisterly love and her musical selections were beautiful, but nothing, nothing tops. I'm here. 
the emotion of that song alone but if you take the time to read those freaking lyrics i'm like this is a song about gratitude this is a song about you know love acceptance forgiveness it is just gorgeous and you asked me where i got emotional it was that freaking song yeah she blew it shambles she blew it away And I think the other thing that's also fascinating about this project that I don't think I noticed as much in the original film is Celie barely talks. And and to see that evolution throughout the whole film from her, like, like after losing her sister, especially, and just living life with Mr. in his hellhole, how she gradually opened up and was able to have such a big song at the end shows the growth, the personal growth that she was able to make um, in this journey. Very well said, Delora. I think the only other couple ones that I would have named two for my faves is when Celie sang her Suge Avery song. Visually, I just really enjoyed where it's like the record player and mm-hmm. Suge was in the bathtub. I just thought that was really dope. And then mm-hmm. obviously at the end, the collective singing of the color purple, visually, again, stunning to me that of tree. the round table. Yes. Yeah, it was just in the white. It was just beautiful. It was ethereal. Mm-hmm. It gave such a great closure to the film for me. So I just thought the musical numbers were really well done well placed everything was pitch perfect with that for me yes let's talk about some of the differences as i mentioned between the 1995 film and this version i just have up a quick screen rant article where they listed the biggest eight with number eight obviously being that this one is a musical and the other (laughs) one was not Number seven is that The Color Purple in 2023 shows less of Mr.'s children, I guess his children's bad behavior being such a prominent aspect of Steven Spielberg's film and then them not really dwelling on it in this one. Number Mm -hmm. six, Seeley visiting Sophia in jail in this version. Um, It differed slightly in the previous one. They did have some moments of... Um, connection, but it wasn't with her visiting her in jail. Mm-hmm. Number five, Nettie's storyline is less elaborate in this version. There are some aspects that are left out, including a scene where Nettie teaches Celie how to read. But obviously, I feel like we still got such a great understanding of their bond and their relationship. Yeah, I agree. Number four, The Color Purple 2023 makes Celie and Shook Avery's relationship more prominent, which I think is very telling of the era and times in which we now live and much mm-hmm. more prominence for LGBTQ plus storylines, personally. Really? Because I thought it was more, I feel like there was more chemistry between like Whoopi and Suge Avery's actress in 1995 than this one between Fantasia and Taraji. I think what they're saying is, is this makes it, there's no doubt that they had a sexual, a true sexual relationship. Like Mm. in the previous version, I think they were saying that it was lightly discussed, you know, lightly. Yes. But, and this is like for sure, they slept together. They have musical numbers, declaring their interest and adoration for each other. It was just Mm -hmm. much more in your face than the previous version. Number three, Celie's mother appears on screen. Um, That was not in the previous adaptation whatsoever. Shout out to Ingenue. Such a phenomenal actress. Yes. 
Absolutely. Number two, the Color Purpose 2023 casts a midwife to help Celie give birth, whereas in the original, yeah! it's only Nettie who helps Celie. But obviously, this was to give the Whoopi Goldberg a cameo. Yes. Now, why didn't Danny's lover have a cameo? I thought that was interesting because I don't know. Hmm. I guess because again, this is Celie's story, so it makes sense to have the callback to the original. The Celie. original. And yep. then number one, Celie's narration is not in this version. Her communication right. with God is not prominent, but we get so much of her insight through the songs and musical numbers. So that mm. was Screen Rant's top eight. Again, I did not rewatch the original, so I appreciate the articles that gave me this <laughs> available synopsis to break down for you guys. So Delora, give me your final thoughts on the 2023 adaptation of The Color Purple. It was a beautiful story done beautifully. I think everyone should be proud of themselves for the work that they've done. I will say, um, shout out to Coleman Domingo. He, when he was cast as Mr., I was like, yeah, he was going to kill that. He was going to kill it. <laughs> <laughs> there were, and there was, there were no did. crumbs left in any performances. <laughs> Everybody ate. Everyone, mm -hmm. everyone. And so I, I truly, truly do appreciate it. I think when it came to just my, my grade earlier, it, it, it really was a reflection of like, how do you top the best? Right. <laughs> and it's like, the, what's the goal really? Cause it's such a great, great story. Well, the director wow. said this is the color purple for this generation. He feels like every generation will have their color purple. He said, what he's mm. done is for our generation. The next generation will do their version to have a reimagining on the previous adaptation. So that was mm. his thought behind it. Absolutely. And I felt like everyone, like you said, did a great job. Shout out to Fantasia. I have enjoyed her confidence and her walking and who she is herself um, during this press tour. I think it was a beautiful reflection of growth um, because when we knew her, she was so young when she won American Idol 20 years ago, right? Yep. And I, again, shout out to the casting director because that's Seely, you know, baby Seely to grown Seely perfection and i love i love seeing david alleguero Greer. he's one of my faves so doing his thing doing his thing all right well i kind of gave my additional final thoughts interspersed throughout so again taraji really held it down her i just needed her to have a little bit more music otherwise phenomenal job you guys killed it thank you so much appreciate this adaptation it is one I will definitely rewatch again in the future. So, Delora, if there is nothing else, let's move on to Hidden Gems for the Week. What you got? All right, Ashley. I have three this week. So, I'm really excited. So, the first is a novel I finished. It is by Tia Williams. She is a phenomenal author. She actually wrote... The Perfect Find, which isn't the Netflix movie starring Gabrielle Union that we recapped last year, and the author of Seven Days in June. Y'all, y'all gotta read that. Read the book. And what's wonderful is 
it's being adapted to the screen and she has more power. So it'll, it'll be better than like the ending of the perfect fine, not trying to be shady, but they diverged from source material. This actually came out this month, a love song for Ricky Wilde. I don't even really want to tell y'all the premise of this book because y'all just need to know that it is so unique and so cool that it's a lot of fun. So it plays on leap years and people falling in love in two different time periods. Ricky Wilde is in today's world and her counterpart, I'm not going to say his name, is in the 1920s around the same time as The Color Purple. So that's why I thought it was relevant to this recap and I I thought it'd be fun to make that connection. So a love song for Ricky Wilde. Highly recommend. Super cute. It's not quite five stars. I am very stingy with my five stars on Goodreads, but it was a joy and I'm glad to recommend it. My second hidden gem is a song. I mentioned this last week during our hot headlines and hot topics that because of Beyonce transition into country music, I've gotten to know more about black country artists. And one of them is Tanner Addle and her song Buckle Bunny goes hard. Okay. (laughs) Um, Very clever, very witty you know giving bad girl like I will take your man and and drive off in my pickup truck type of deal and I'm just like okay girl let's let's go (laughs) uh the lyrics made me made me laugh it's a lot of fun I've added to my playlist so my final hidden gem I watched this and Dave was like, why are you watching this? I'm like, well, this is going to be my hidden gem. He's like, I want to call it a gem. (laughs) I am referring to Jennifer Lopez, $20 million fever dream. This is me now a love story available on Prime. It is definitely a Black is King kind of vibe where you have an album you go through the songs there's different visuals for the songs all connected together with like a universal story and a lot is going on and it is filled with celebrity cameos I am not even going to begin to tell you who was in it because they probably were uh (laughs) again if you have time and you just want to see something a little bit out there go ahead check it out that's all i got ashley what do you have this week all right i have four the first one is coupled directly with the movie which is oprah and the color purple journey documentary available on hbo max it just gives you some behind the scenes of the making of the film it shows you a few of um oprah's interviews with some of the cast from taraji to danielle to fantasia that she also did that's available on max um talks a little bit about her involvement in the musical and all of that and just gives you you know some nice little background tidbits about 
the making of this film and the journey that Oprah and crew went on. So interesting and fun to watch as a companion piece to watching this adaptation. My second hidden gem is Safe Home on Hulu. Um, this is an Australian drama starring Aisha D, who we know from The Bold Type. There's only four episodes, but I think there only needed to be because it is incredibly powerful. And it focuses on a family violence center and their work. Um, and as we're wrapping up Black History Month and moving into Women's History Month, I think it is a very important series to watch and to understand and to support. So that is my second hit and jump safe home. My third and fourth, to your point, Delora, about Beyonce and the now moving more into recognizing artists and things like that in country, I think... I, with Beyonce and my fandom, have still wanted to give reverence and better understanding to some of the legends, especially in these other genres that I don't necessarily touch as much. And so two of those people are Donna Summer and Little Richard, and they both have documentaries on HBO Max that I watched after I watched this film, Love to Love You, Donna Summer, and Little Richard, I Am Everything. Donna Summer is actually directed by one of her daughters, and Definitely gave me a lot of information. I saw performances from Donna Summer that I had never seen before. Got a lot more intel about her life, um, some of the struggles she had, some of the uh, transitions she had, especially when it came to her involvement in her religious life, things like that. Her relationship with her family, her husband, her children, all of that. And the fact that this is a role that Kelly Rowland was born to play um, <laughs> definitely was solidified by watching this and again, seeing some of her incredible performances. And then Little Richard, the innovator, the founder of rock and roll that he was, I really enjoyed knowing so much more about his influence in rock and roll. I didn't know that James Brown was his protege. I yes. had not seen all of the various artists who mentioned him. I mean, the Beatles worshipped and revered him and yes. sat under him, particularly Paul McCartney. Um, just so many things. I also did not know how strong of a role religion played in his life and the yep. influence that it had and the struggle that that had on him and his sexual identity and and all of those things. So both were just really incredibly insightful to me as somebody who knows these artists but did not know a lot about their lives and mm. so I just recommend both of them I think again if we're gonna talk about our legends and the influences that they have on the genres and on the artists we love today as well as knowing that black people originated and heavily influenced so many musical genres that today we don't necessarily get credit for look back at examples like this yeah I mean so. I <laughs> since this whole conversation of black people and country the banjo is a west african instrument and to think that country music transition to white mainstream came out of minstrel shows is also another level of like why is everything in america based out of racism <laughs> it's tough it's a tough pill it to swallow every so time Oh, and it was really so bad dumb. in Little Richard's documentary to see the white artists and white people, Still people like stuff. Buddy Holly in particular, who did really horrible versions of covers of some of his songs that became very popular because it was a white artist singing them. Um, it was painful to see. But yeah, I mean, I just think it's important to, as generations continue, to be able to still know about and understand the impact that these folks have had. So I just love that they both got these 
pretty comprehensive documentaries done about them. Still more more that could be said and told, but I enjoyed it. So those are my hidden gems for the week, guys. Thank you so much. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate you for listening as always. Please share this episode with your friends, family, loved ones, everyone. We appreciate you. Leave us a rating, a review. We'll be back as usual. But in the meantime, be blessed. Bye.